Question. Does youth ministry matter to God? Answer. Stupid question. Of course it matters to God. <laughs> right? How do we know? Well, because the scriptures are full of stories of one generation passing their faith on to the next generation. And we see that in scriptures like Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Right? Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, in your everyday ordinary life, teach your children your faith. Live out your faith. Pass your faith on. And then, of course, in the New Testament, passages like Jesus telling the disciples to let the little children come to him. It is obvious, right, that God cares about children and youth. However, for a lot of churches— Youth ministry is really, really hard. Children's ministry is hard too, but youth ministry can be really hard, especially if your church happens to be aging and declining. And that's a lot of churches these days. And that can be really, really discouraging. So what's a church to do? Well, enter Nate Landis, president and founder of Urban Youth Collaborative. Nate has created an incredibly effective way for churches to reach out to the next generation. And that can be any kind of a church. It could be a young, hip millennial congregation that's reaching out to the next generation, or it can be an aging baby boomer and beyond congregation. So I'm really excited for you to hear from Nate today. You will love to hear his passion, his enthusiasm, his cheesy jokes, <laughs> and, and of course, his clear love for Jesus and his love for kids. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 35 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. How's it going, Marcus? Good. Um, so, Nate, you're the president and former, uh, sorry, <laughs> the president and founder of U Urban Youth Collaborative. And, yes. Um, Founding it did happen in the past, so you're not far it, off it there with happen. former founder. <laughs> right, it did yes. happen in the past. It's a status right. that will always be with me. Yeah, and we've <laughs> known each other, I don't know, 11 and a half years. Long because time. Because that's how long I've been in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And uh we met, I'll just tell the story real quick, and then uh, we'll get, do some get to know you with you. But uh, you showed up at the church that I had just started serving. I remember that. Right? And yeah. you walked in. Why don't you tell it what, from your... Well, I just um, remember one of the other people in the Presbytery of San Diego, I think it was the former stated clerk, mm -hmm. who just was meeting with me one day, and she said, this new pastor would probably make a good friend for you mm -hmm. and probably a good partner in ministry. And so she planted that seed, and I'm always out and about looking for partners that want to go after the next generation and reach kids. And so that's how I ended up in your office. Yeah. And uh, and I think you walked in, and you asked for me, and the secretary said, who are you, and why do you want to meet with him? <laughs> and then you explained, and she's like, oh, okay. Anyway, I remember seeing you kind of walk in from my office. And anyway, so it was good. Yeah, it's been a great relationship, and we did a lot of... Uh, work together with Urban Youth Collaborative and, and partnership. And That's right. Uh, that was good. Um, so let's we'll get into what you do with Urban Youth Collaborative, but let me do a couple of quick get-to-know-you get questions. First sure. question is, uh, what would a mirror opposite of yourself be like? Mirror opposite? Probably someone that moves really slow and is pessimistic 
and uh, angry. Uh-huh. My my kids may say I get edgy when I'm stressed, so uh-huh. they may disagree with the. They may say I embody my polar opposite uh-huh. on certain stressful weeks, but <laughs> I think that that I I really am able to flow with with a lot of different activities, and I get energized from people and and by what God's doing around me. So yeah. I think overall that would be my bizarre world uh, counter Nate yeah. or anti Nate. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let me interject for the listeners. You may have heard some running water just now. That's because we're recording this in my family room, which is the first time I've ever done this, and the dishwasher's running. Nice. <laughs> I think we had some something was draining in the background. So anyway, that's what any other little noises are. Um, okay. Uh, next question, Nate. If your life was a book, what would its title be? Here I am. Even though Billy Graham probably has a title like that, too. Oh, um, hmm. I... I would just say I've tried to make myself available to God after he came and found me yeah, and, yeah. and I have tried to surrender to the fullest and, and ask God to take over more and more of the real estate in my heart yeah. as we've been walking together. Yeah. And so I want my gift, uh, my life to be a gift back to God after all that Christ has done for me. Oh, that's cool. And um, what would the title of the current chapter of your life be? That's a great question. I think scaling hmm. might might be it. Not that I'm on a diet, but I'm <laughs> watching our ministry in this next decade. UIC is about 10 years old, and hmm. we're working on what it looks like to scale our ministry and empower hmm. people that might not even meet us. So hmm. avenues like a podcast or hmm. a video training yeah, or the yeah, book yeah. that we'll talk about in a minute that I wrote yep. Yep. where we can try to engage people. We want, we believe face-to-face and life-on-life is still the best way to mm-hmm. see transformation. Yep. But we're also aware that there are 300 million people in the U.S. Yeah. And we're not going to get to everyone. There's yeah. 50 million kids in public schools in America. Yeah. It's a yeah. huge number. Yeah. So what can we do to engage more leaders who can do what we're doing? Because these principles work nationally. They work yeah. in every state. Yeah. And we are hoping to continue to scale what we're doing to sort of work on that that pyramid or a funnel, yeah. depending on which yeah, way you yeah. flip it, yeah. where we have the face-to-face staff relationships, and then we have some of the larger live events that we're yeah. doing, and then we have stuff we've written, and then if we can do video curriculum and podcasts, and right. UIC just started a podcast as well, so we might oh, even cool. be able to oh. co-populate this one yeah, yeah. over there awesome. as well, which would be cool and get awesome. out to a broader audience. So we're hoping to scale what we're doing and, and allowing God to to expand it. Our ministry is now working in Mexico at mm-hmm. 23 different schools, and we just got a grant to do Project 25 in Atlanta. We'll probably talk more about yeah. what Project 25 is later. So okay. scaling would be scaling. the title of this chapter, Marcus. Awesome. awesome. So um, you've kind of already started telling us a little bit about what, you, what you're doing. Why don't you just kind of tell us about your journey? How did... Where'd you come from? Yeah. Earlier part of your faith journey, how about? And then what led you to eventually start Urban Youth Collaborative? Well, I've always had a passion for kids and youth and youth ministry. When I was in high school, I had a near-death experience, and Mm. God got my attention and sent me on this journey of following Him. I started a student-led Bible club at my private high school Mm. in Amish Paradise, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And little did I know that I would spend my life supporting student Bible clubs in Mm. public schools in the inner city, as opposed to 
in the rural area. So I always mm-hmm. say God has a sense of humor. He took me from Amish paradise to gangster's paradise. And <laughs> the first cornrows I saw were growing beside my house in rural Lancaster. <laughs> and I had no idea. I had so much to learn that, uh-huh. that cornrows actually are also able to be hairstyles in the, the head, <laughs> the heads of my brothers and sisters from the African American tradition. Funny. So God, God yeah. was always uh, at work even before I realized it. And he definitely has a sense of humor picking somebody like me to do this. So I went to college and I studied youth ministry and sociology. I got really excited about urban ministry because I met a guy named Tony Campolo at Eastern and he started to really influence me in the vein of being a scholar who's also an activist and who's also preaching and practicing theory and praxis going together and really turned me on to the life of uh, urban living and and some of the opportunities and needs and what God's doing in a a city context. So I now live in Southeast San Diego with my wife and three kids, and we live in a neighborhood where we're the minority Mm -hmm. and a lot of white and black Christians both raise their eyebrows and say, Oh, wow, you live wow. where? Wow. And, and we say, yeah, we're, we're called to it. It's not a heroic thing. It's something God has set up and yeah. it's, it's like perfectly located for us because we're surrounded by 12 of the 94 faith clubs we support mm-hmm. in San Diego uh-huh. in this neighborhood. Wow. And our house is, uh, in the center of the circle and the church that we're serving at is at the top of the circle. So it's something only God could have set up. And so how did I start Urban Youth Collaborative? I was a youth pastor uh, back in antiquity at the First Presbyterian Church of San Diego. Okay, Antiquity is a joke, but it was like (laughs) 2002 to 2006 was that four-year window, just over four years. Okay. And started to get involved with the San Diego High School uh, football team and faith club that was eight okay. blocks away from this church. Yep. And I still remember going to the coach one day in a meeting with another guy and said, would you let me be a position coach and chaplain yep. for these kids and not position coach on the field, but a position coach in life? Yep. And I'll, excuse me, I'll do a pregame meal for them and we'll do some... Bible-based pep talks, we'll feed them, and then I'll be available to counsel them for anything that's come up throughout their lives. And I'll be praying for them on the sidelines, and I'll be there for everything that they're going through. And I still remember the coach looking back at me, and and he said, well, sir, last year we were one in nine. Prayer couldn't hurt. (laughs) Like, we can't fall from the floor. So so yes, right? And so we started a pregame chapel service that was optional but very well attended Uh and coaches would come up to us and say thank you for feeding these kids because this is the one uh legitimate uh guaranteed meal that some Mm -hmm. of these kids would get this this day which was shocking in america's Mm -hmm. finest city right to have food insecurity like that and then spiritually kids are hungry for the word of god jesus Mm -hmm. that came down from heaven Mm -hmm. and we were able to start providing both of those. Mm-hmm. And the faith club at San Diego High started growing and thriving, and I was shocked to see kids mm-hmm. in front of their friends in a public school raising their hands saying, I want Jesus in my mm-hmm. life, and yeah. that just really changed me. And so yeah. I kept praying and saying, God, what is it that I'm supposed to do with my life? I've got uh, one life to live, and, and I had one talk uh-huh. each week because I was the middle school youth pastor, the high school youth pastor, uh-huh. and some people listening to this might relate. I was also uh-huh. the college pastor oh, yeah. at the church, right? So, like, I got all the mail mm-hmm. from 
middle school to, you know, end of young adults, uh-huh. right? So <laughs> if you had pimples and braces or you were like clerking at your law firm, you were yeah. in the same bandwidth of responsibility that I had at this church. So I remember um, being in front of San Diego High one day as I've been praying and I was getting ready to pick up these kids for the pregame meal that we put on and the bell rang and the sea of 3,000 faces came pouring out of the school and uh-huh. like 3,000 kids go to the school, Marcus, mm, and wow. 90 plus percent of them don't have any connection to church or Christ. And I'm just watching all these faces and I literally couldn't drive because I would have run somebody over. There's a lot of paperwork in California if you hit kids in front of schools trying to start ministries. That's oh, yeah, a joke. Right. But I had to just sit there and watch all their faces like, go what? by. Yeah, And I, I couldn't move my car because they're just literally pouring all over my car. Okay. And, um, and I'm watching these faces and, and I'm thinking to myself, these kids won't accidentally happen into my well-endowed Presbyterian church castle down the street. Hmm. If I build it, they won't come. Hmm. We've got to find a way to go to them. Yeah. And yes, you can have something good for them once they come, Sure, but they're not going to get there first that way. Right, right. So that was just a moment of clarity where I had to just admit that to yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. second was the thought that if I brought any more of these urban kids into the particular church culture and context that we were in, yeah. there would have been some debate in the church as to whether that was a good idea. Right, right. So those were two sort of thoughts from Nate yeah. floating around in my head. Yeah. And then the sec- the third thing was not from me. It was just what I believe was the call of God. And as clearly as we're having a conversation now, it wasn't out loud, but I heard this voice that said, who will go for us? Mm-hmm. Who can we send? Yeah. Who will reach these kids? Yeah. So I raised my hand in my heart that day, and I said, here I am, Lord, send me. Mm. And I started to cry. I was wiping tears away in my in my car, and I didn't want these linemen I was about to pick up to think I was soft. Mm. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to like look yeah. tough as I go. Yeah. But I had, I had surrendered right there in front of this high school. Wow. And my car was at an intersection. My life was at an intersection. Mm. And I decided that this is what God had for me. So I went home to my wife, 18 months into our marriage, yeah. mortgage. Southern California is not a cheap place to live. And I had a good job at this church. It was one of those career track youth ministry positions, not a temporary kind of burn out the light bulb and get a new one kind of position. And so I looked my wife in the eyes. I still had my coach's gear on. Mm -hmm. I remember that night I said, Mm -hmm. honey, I want to quit my job and go after the kids that not enough people are reaching. Mm -hmm. And she looked right back at me without hesitating and said, I think that sounds fantastic, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God. Yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't know what she would say. No Christian women's group would have given her a hack for saying, let's pray more. Yeah. Or are you sure you heard? Right. Or you're hearing voices in your car. Right. I know a good Christian shrink. Um, I'll support you through the process, but you need to go see somebody. Mm. But instead, she said, I think yeah. that sounds fantastic. So awesome. that was back in 2006. And today... We have 3,000 kids a week that are getting physical and spiritual food at 94 schools in San Diego, and uh, we've got another network of clubs in Mexico as well that are working. Yeah, so 23 schools in Mexico as well. So God's done a lot of amazing stuff through the years, and we're excited for the next decade. We think the best is yet to come. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, and so just real so like how does that how does it work like you partner with churches and what do the churches do how does that work for churches so we are only as good as our church partners the clubs uh in public schools have to be student led they've mm-hmm. got to be meeting during non-instructional time or 
it's not really possible. And they also have to be voluntary to attend. So those are the three magic legal variables. We can also do a facility rental agreement. We have about 15 of those where you don't need student leadership. You don't need voluntary attendance. Well, kids still have to choose to come. And then uh, also, it's still during non-instructional time. But the the rental agreement's more like a church that would rent on a Sunday morning, except you're renting in the evening oh. after school. Right. Uh, so those are your two tracks that okay. you can run on. And in either case, you want student leaders. Yeah. In, in the one case, you need them. Yeah. And then in, in the case of the church partner, kids can invite their friends, and then they can invite a guest speaker. Okay. And our ministry allows supportive adults to walk alongside student leaders who want to share the gospel. So it would involve making a commitment to be at the school as often as the school allows. Some schools ask for a rotation, and then it's easy to do that because you can have a senior pastor, a youth pastor, a volunteer, an intern, a parent from that same church rotating. Even if the school says you can only come once a month per person, Mm. you can have someone from that same church there every week if you have a rotation. Right. And most schools are not that strict right. in in our world that we work in, hmm. uh, but we respect the the guidance of the school as long as yeah, the school yeah. isn't telling the kids to do something that's illegal, illegal. you know, where yeah, they're right. limiting their rights. Because right. there is a lot of misinformation yeah. uh, on the part of administrators and pastors about yeah. what the law really says. Hmm. And there's great freedoms for kids yeah. uh, that have been tested and tried. So the church would say, where does our set of resources and uh, gifts line up with the needs and opportunities on the campus, and we help the congregation find that sweet spot yeah. where those align together, cool. and that just might be the will of God yeah. for a school. So it can look like sending an adult to support and mentor mentor students, uh, following up and discipling students that, uh-huh. that want a church home, yep. inviting them to their congregation. And the congregation has to be willing to adapt and innovate and, and receive students yeah. and, and meet them halfway. Yeah. And they also can provide food for club meetings. We have a chaplain's ministry we do, yeah. uh, school beautification day. We do motivational school assemblies. And we also have a countywide community service challenge called Project 25, where we mm-hmm. give out grants to clubs that sign up for this and then they take the money they read the parable the talents in matthew chapter 25 that's where project 25 gets its name and then they have to dream about what the world would look like if god's kingdom came and his will was Mm -hmm. done on earth as it is in heaven at their school in their community around the world then they make a 90 second youtube video to tell their story and we have a celebration and and honor kids for making an amazing impact in God's name all over our city. We just had that celebration on Friday night, and it's my favorite night of the year. Uh Over 22,000 hours of volunteer service for middle school and high school kids this year. It's our 10th year doing this. The kids raised uh, four times the money, so they got we gave out $5,000 in mini grants. They turned it into over $21,000. And Mayor Kevin Faulkner issued a proclamation stating that May 3rd, which was the night of the campus awards celebration, Uh is Project 25 Day in the city of San Diego. So that was pretty cool. Just this year or forever? He's done that ever since he's been in office, and I'll always vote for him as long as he does a proclamation for us. That's awesome. Because he's recognizing the good work of kids. That's cool. And and so kids are able to say, the person I served made a difference. Uh, It made a difference in their lives, and they made a difference in my life. Uh, The the mayor noticed, but most of all, Jesus noticed yeah, that I made a difference. Right. So churches, Marcus, can be a part of all of these different menu items yeah. that we have yeah. to serve schools. And yeah. sometimes churches will jump in with a 
service project out of yeah. school and make it a lot better because yeah. they've got resources and ideas and creativity and people yeah. and together that bridge between the church and the school gets stronger yeah. as we do more meaningful work together. That's cool. That's very cool. So um, what I, what I love about it is I, I, and I talk about this in my podcast a lot. Um, when I think about what God wants to do is he wants to restore Shalom. That means in terms of our relationship with God, but also in terms of our relationship with our neighbors. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so, I hear both of those. Right? Yes. The restoration of shalom in our relationship with God. Right. And restoration of shalom for the world. Right. This comprehensive sense of well-being or state of well-being. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, now, you just wrote a book also called yes. God Wants His Kids Back. We Tell have a chapter on shalom, actually. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. That's a little pitch. Oh, okay. So I'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. Nate just gave me a copy of the book today. So <laughs> Yeah. So we do have a, a chapter on shalom, and it, it's oh. the subtitle is, whole people and whole communities so that salvation is for individuals in the next life Mm -hmm. and also simultaneously for communities and Mm -hmm. and whole societies in this life as well and and it might be a foretaste or a preview or an approximation Uh but we still have to get excited about pursuing that absolutely and and so i describe it as my my wife and i love to go to little italy uh-huh. And she's half Italian, Paparero. Oh. She gave up lots of syllables to oh. marry me, Landis. <laughs> uh, that's how much she loves me, Marcus. Mm. And so she loves to go uh, to a night in the town in Little Italy. And after the gelato and the cappuccinos and the fettuccine and all of that, it's an, an exquisite evening. Mm. But if you take photos of some of the facades of the buildings yeah. in Little Italy, and then if you've ever been to Florence or Venice or any other of the cities in, in big Italy, yeah, right. you can tell that they're from the same culture oh, and, yeah. and they've set up shop yeah. in their neighborhood as exiles per right. se in a way that reflects their homeland. Right. So when I go to little Italy, I get hungry for big Italy. I want to yeah. go back there too. Right. Our job as Christians is the same. We're supposed to set yeah. up our relationships and our neighborhoods and our, our society here in a way that makes people hungry for yeah. our homeland. It's yeah. the pregame show yeah. of our eternal life, mm-hmm. and that's what we're supposed to approximate here cool. on Earth. And because we're in a flawed, fallen world, we're never going to fully mm-hmm. uh, approximate it. But yeah. but what if we could make gains every year and, and actually come to a fuller picture of that? It's yeah. worth working at. Some Absolutely. people say, we're never going to get there, so why try? Right. But let's get as close as we can yeah. and, and have the foretaste be right. as uh, accurate as possible yep. so that people are hungry for right. what's going to last forever. And we pray your kingdom come, your exactly. will be done on exactly. earth as it is in heaven. Jesus right. taught us to pray That's for this, right. and we actually are asking for it every time we pray that, right. that beautiful prayer. But yep. I think we routinely go through it so fast and so often that sometimes yep. it loses its shock value yes. and yep. its, its wonder. Yep. Yep. And, and I think we've asked for a lot of things we didn't realize we were asking for in that prayer. <laughs> yeah, right. So the more right. we get a handle on Shalom, the more we'll yeah. be able to become the answer to yeah. those prayers as well. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit then uh, uh, more about the book. And yeah, kind of, uh, thanks for asking. Yeah. So I wrote this book after 10 years of work on the front lines in public school ministry because I want people of faith and people of goodwill, pastors, mm-hmm. uh, grandparents, parents, coaches, administrators, 
to know what's possible. Yeah. Like I said earlier in the program, there were, uh, there's lots of misinformation about what's really possible on yeah. public school campuses. And my mom, God rest her soul, 10 years ago went home to be with the Lord. She died of lymphoma. Mm. But prior to dying, she was a amazing teacher of inner city kids who went on later in life to get her doctoral degree from the University of Pennsylvania in education. Mm. So she went as far in educational training as a human can go wow. from an Ivy League school, which has a great program in education. Yeah. And she came to San Diego High School, the story I told you at the beginning, okay. uh, back in the day when wow. it, everything was just starting out. And she was in the back watching all this. And these kids were coming forward for prayer. It was around this time of year and they were getting ready to graduate and face an uncertain future. So they came forward and there were 25 kids standing in the front getting prayed over by pastors. Mm. 100% legal because they chose to come to the club. They chose to come forward for prayer. The student leaders invited these pastors in. And my mom was just bawling in the back for two reasons. One, she was proud of her son. She thought I was doing something that mattered with my life, right? But she was also stunned that this was possible. So Ivy League doctorate in education had never heard Mm. about what we're doing. Does that make sense? In other words, you've gone as far as you can as an educator. She's got as much education as a superintendent or a principal or another high-ranking administrator. Didn't know this was possible. And then on the flip side, I have gone to way too much schooling in the pastoral world. You know, I I did the Master's of Divinity degree after my BA. Uh-huh. I did the PhD route at Claremont Graduate University. Glad I did. Learned a lot, but nobody ever told us that this was possible on right. the pastor side either. Right. So this book is for educators and pastors mm. who want to make an impact in the next generation yeah. with spiritual. Yeah. content yeah. with the power of God because yeah, yeah. I think we all know kids are facing so much that the the school system the curriculum mm-hmm. the machine can't offer all the solutions right. so for those that want to see God connect with this next generation right. I wrote this book to show them that it's not just possible but we have a thriving ministry happening yeah. in San Diego and it works wherever you are too That's cool. I had a guy come out from uh, the Dakotas couple years ago, and he was an assembly speaker with us for a week. He saw the church partnerships. He saw the student leaders. He saw the favor of administrators, and he saw how it all connected. And we were eating lunch afterwards, and he said, man, this is a guy that's literally dedicated his life to kids, and he's a minister and an assembly speaker. He said, man, I wish the laws in the Dakotas were the same as in California, Mm. because we'd love to be able to do this there. Mm. And I almost choked on my burrito, Marcus, because if anything... (laughs) We're in the more politically charged, more difficult atmosphere out here in California. And these are federal laws. So what works here works in New Jersey. It works in Sacramento. It works in uh, Chicago. It works in Florida. Mm. And I want people to know what's possible. And it's not a cookie cutter model. You get to line up your resources and gifts as a church with needs and opportunities on campus. But instead of waiting for kids to come to us, I want churches to go where the students are. So my line is that Jesus called us to be fishers of men and women. And if we're going to fish for men and women, we have to realize as believers that fish always travel in schools. (laughs) Thank you. I'll be here all week. So I read that years ago in a youth ministry journal and it's, Uh and it's really stuck with me. That was the truth that changed the course of my ministry and it's changing the course of our city because churches are discovering what's possible. So there are over 60 churches that are working with us in some capacity here in San Diego and 
we're hoping it spreads. So yeah. this book is the bleeding heart story of why we must mm-hmm. get involved with the next generation and why it works. Yeah, cool. And then I'm working on a second book now called The Campus Ministry Playbook, which is oh. almost like the manual. It's yeah. not as exciting and glossy. Right. We'll still have some case studies, right. but that's the... So here's how. That's the book you buy after it's all, you're already sold. Yeah, you know, right, right, the right. first book is, man, I, I'm deciding if we should make this a priority or not. Yeah, yeah. And then once you say, yes, we're in, yeah. then the how-tos are really right. going to be clear. And it's going to be like a step-by-step manual on how do you do a motivational assembly? How do you support a student-led faith club? How do you do a Project 25 at your school? How do you yeah. provide counseling if a kid's committed suicide or mm. had a homicide at your campus? Yeah, yeah. How do you do a school beautification day, if I haven't said that already. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. some of those practical things. And then you don't have to master everything. It's kind of like a spiritual discipline. Hmm. If you fast and go on a retreat and have some kind of journal exercise and you are, uh, you know, doing all this other, you know, service projects, like you you do all that, you're going to really probably burn yourself out. Right. But if you pick one or two ways to connect with God where yep. he's able to minister his grace to you yep. and transform your life, then uh, you'll see this this connection happen. Yeah. And that's what I'm yeah. saying for churches is find one or two meaningful ways yeah, yeah. to consistently, faithfully, dependably um, uh, connect with the school. Yeah. 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 Then you'll see the transformation happen yeah. in that relationship too. Yeah. So pick a couple things and master that. And and then build from there. Yeah, awesome. And so, um, if you were to extend an invitation to churches, what would that invitation be? Our invitation would be the same that Jesus gave. So I can't come up with anything better than that. Okay. And that's come and see. <laughs> mm, so yeah. Jesus would always say, uh, "You've heard about it, but come and see." The dead are yeah. being raised. The sick are being healed. Good news yeah. is being preached to the poor. Yeah. Come and see. And and we want to invite you to come and see what God's doing on campuses where yeah. good news is being preached to the poor. Uh, spiritually, people are coming back from the dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've seen uh, racial reconciliation and healing between cultures. We've seen families get restored. Mm. And it's exciting to watch God That's at cool. work. So we'd love to have you as a guest to come see a student-led faith club or an assembly in person. Yeah. We have some big school beautification day projects coming up in August. That's okay. always a good first date uh-huh. between a church uh-huh. and school because you have a tangible before and after yeah. picture. And most administrators aren't afraid of us proselytizing a bench because yeah. <laughs> we're just painting. <laughs> right. And But a painted door, we always say, leads to an open door. Mm, and nice. it can be a bridge to other relationships yeah, yeah. down yeah. the road. Yeah. So we'd love to get in touch with you and have you come and see what's happening in yeah. person. And we also would love you to pick up a copy of the book as well. That's yeah. a great way to sort of see. And you can come and see by reading the pages of the yeah. book. There's a lot. It's, it's story-based. There's a lot of pictures. Yeah. One of my supporters loves pictures with a one-sentence summary underneath because he's busy. <laughs> and, and so there's something for everybody. Nice. Yeah. And I think it'll be inspiring. That's awesome. Um, so one, one last question about... Um, one of the things that I'm always interested in is our own spiritual life and what kind of people do we need to be in order to be on mission with God? Um, like what are the kinds of qualities that you've found um, are important for doing this kind of ministry qualities for churches as a, as a whole, as a body, but then also perhaps for leaders, pastors, and yeah. other, other leaders. I would say two things. One would be self-sacrifice that we, uh, intuitively 
may not grasp this, but in the kingdom, it's definitely true. It's, it's counterintuitive, actually, that mm-hmm. if you give away your life, then you find life. Yeah. And if we try to grab likes on our Instagram or we try to find influence and power and friends and wealth and, yeah. and things, we're going to be emptier and emptier the more we pile that into our hearts. Right. If we're really honest, our Instagram will always look good, but in our heart of hearts, we'll be emptier and emptier. But if we give away our lives for the kingdom and the gospel, Jesus said, you hang on to your life, you'll lose it, but you give away your life, you'll find it. And I think trusting God and sacrificing like that is is true for individuals. Mm. I think it's also true for churches. If you try to save your church, you'll lose it. But if you give away your church for the kingdom and the gospel, you'll find it. So all those things you think you need, budget staff, stories, statistics, building, all of those. If you lay down your church and your church exists for the benefit of its Mm non-members in the community first, Mm -hmm. then all those other things will be added onto us as well. So that's That's the first truth, the self-sacrifice. The second would be dependence on God. Mm. I think the reason God has got me into this ministry more than any kid that I'm going to reach is that he wants more of me. Yeah. So he he's grabbed me and sent me on this mission mm-hmm. so that he can put me in a place where I've got to depend on him yeah. more and more. Right. I see him doing that with Peter, where at first he meets Peter and says to Peter, can I use your boat as an amplification system yeah. out in the water? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he says to Peter, let's go out to deeper waters and fish in a way you've never fished before. Yeah. And you think you're an expert fisherman, but I actually made the fish. Yeah. And I can talk to them. He was like... The Aquaman right. before Aquaman, right? <laughs> so the fish gather on the side of the boat where Peter's fishing. They all come in. And then later Jesus says, I want you to learn to trust me out in the storms. Yeah. I might look like I'm asleep, but I'm not aloof and indifferent. I actually am so trusting in our Heavenly Father. Yeah. I'm at peace because I know he's greater than the storm. Yeah. And then finally he says to Peter, I want you to walk out of the boat and follow me. So Jesus is yeah, so annoying, Marcus, because yeah. he's always asking for more. Yeah, yeah, right. Right? Just when you think you've given him the boat, right. you've given him your life, and then he says, trust me in storms. And then, yeah. then he says, boats are overrated. Just walk out on the water. If you've got me, that's enough. Yeah. And all the other disciples are clinging to the side of the boat yeah. watching, yeah. and they probably know guys that died out on the water. Mm-hmm. And, and Peter's crazy enough to go follow him. So mm-hmm. Jesus wants me in the end, yeah. away from all the crowds, yeah. away from all the people. He wants to have a face-to-face yeah. encounter with me. And I think the dependence on him and the Holy Spirit is what makes all of this possible. Yeah. I mean, degrees on your wall, ministry experience, titles, yeah. all that stuff pales in comparison to whether you've been with Jesus yeah. or not. That's awesome. And and the Holy Spirit's power as Christ in you yeah. uh, comes out is where lives are changed. Yeah. So dependence cool. on him and self-sacrifice yeah. are the two things that I think individuals and churches uh, are really going to benefit from yeah. if they can emulate those. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and if uh, people want to connect with you, where can they go? Yes, great question. We would love you to pick up a copy of God Wants His Kids Back, Schools of Thought to Reach a Lost Generation. It's available on Amazon. We also have an ambassador program. If a church or individual wants to buy books in bulk directly from us, oh, we'll, cool. we'll knock the price down considerably from Amazon. Okay. And it's a way to get it out to small groups or other church Bible studies okay. or youth pastors. So if you or other listeners know someone else that wants to... Uh, benefit from that we'd love to get it into your hands you can visit our website uyc.org and all of our contact info is there email and phone number i'll give you an email to info at uyc that's urban youth collaborative 
info at uic.org. And then our office line is 619-768-0278. And we would love to hear from you through any of those channels. Our book also has some more ideas for staying connected as well. So we hope to hear from you soon. And we wish you all God's best out there as you dare to serve the next generation and go after the kids that God wants back. You know, I think the qualities Nate mentions that churches need in order to reach out effectively to the next generation are so important, right? He mentions self-sacrifice and dependence, uh, right? So a recognition, first, that it's not all about us, and second, that we can't do it on our own. Uh, too often, we put ourselves, our survival, our growth, our whatever at the center of our mission, and then... We think that we can do it all on our own, but it's not about us. It's about restoring shalom for the world, and that includes the next generation. And it's about entrusting ourselves to God to help us accomplish it. Uh, Well, I'm so grateful for the work that Nate is doing through Urban Youth Collaborative, and I'm grateful for the small part that I've gotten to play over the years. Uh, As Nate mentioned, if you'd like to connect with him or with Urban Youth Collaborative, Uh, You can reach them at their website, www.uyc.org. You can email them, info at uyc.org. You can even call them, area code 619-768-0278. And uh, you can order Nate's book, God Wants His Kids Back, uh, on Amazon or through the UIC website. And I'll include a a link to order the book uh, in the show notes. And, of course, if you'd like to connect with me, feel free to shoot me an email at marcus at marcuswatson.com. Again, that's Marcus with a K, Marcus with a K. Or you can follow me on Twitter at at Marcus Watson, again, Marcus with a K, and my website, www.marcuswatson.com. Do I need to say it again? Marcus with a K. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being here, and I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership.